Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 243 being recorded on Thursday, October 29th, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back. Jason Scott Show listeners. In today's episode, we are going to go into what uh, is one of our more popular series where we do a hot take on Amazon's Q3 results. Um, I'll give you one word to summarize them. They were bonkers. Amazon News. Your margin is their opportunity. Before we dive in and and take you through the highlights of the results, uh, let's just set the stage a little bit. So, uh, if I was there in front of you on the whiteboard, uh, I would draw you know Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 in a row. And uh, because of the pandemic in Q2, we saw across e-commerce super elevated growth rate of 45%. Um, prior to that, e-commerce was growing at about 15%. So we have this step function from Q1 2020 up to Q2 of a 3x acceleration of growth from 15% to 45%. Um, kind of Looking back to Q2, Amazon grew about 43%. Um, and then, uh, so that was kind of the, the data we had in Q2, this kind of you know 45% growth rate. Amazon was in line with that. Then we had a bunch of companies that grew faster, some that grew a little bit slower. Uh, but generally, you know, we, we, we had just this really tremendous quarter. Um, a lot of folks thought, you know, that's unsustainable. In Q3, it's going to come down pretty dramatically. Um, and then just in the last week, uh, you heard it here first on the show as an exclusive, we had eMarketer release their fourth quarter holiday forecast for 2020, and they're forecasting 38% for the holiday period. And then Salesforce just came out with theirs, uh, and they are looking at 34%, and then Adobe just came out with theirs, and they're looking at 33%. So we have this kind of interesting bracket, if you will. Over on one side, we have Q2 that was at 45%, and then over on the other side, we have Q4, which you know, if we look at kind of this, this range of 33 to 38%, we'll call it on average, if we kind of triangulate on the the three forecasts there. Um, So so what you're seeing is the pontificators are kind of seeing that we're going to drift from this high water mark of 45% Q2 to, uh, you know, 35% in Q4. Um, So uh, that's the stage that had me very interested to see where does Q3 come in? Because if we, you know, maybe if we are below that 35% growth rate, that's that's interesting. And if we're way above it, maybe those holiday forecasts are a little on the conservative side. Um, so that that's kind of the the macro stage coming into this quarterly release. Um, we did have a couple, uh, you just kind of the way the earnings results fall. We had three folks report in the in this kind of e-commerce cohort before Amazon did today. So let's see, I think first we had eBay and they were at 26%. Um, so that would that would indicate uh, you would if you just had that one data point, you'd say, oh, wow, we must have seen a really big acceleration. eBay's been lagging uh, the market already, so that one's not uh, a huge surprise. Um, and in fact, they their growth rate came down two points. So they were at like 28% from revenue, 
um, in the second quarter, their year or year growth rate, and then they ticked down slightly to 26%. Um, then we had, let's see, I think next was Etsy, uh, and they came in at a 128% year over year. Um, and then what's really interesting about Etsy is they saw a huge lift in Q2 from Mask, but they had some pretty compelling evidence on their earnings call that can actually peel out the Mask, and their growth rate was still, I think, in the high 90s, even excluding Mask. So they've seen this kind of cocooning and people getting really into crafting really stick. Um, and uh, so that was interesting. Um, and they saw about an 8% decrease quarter on quarter. So so there was a little bit of a step down. Um, and then we had, uh, I think yesterday morning, uh, or it was this morning, we had Shopify and they came in at 96% year over year growth. And that was straight across from Q2. So so that was the the setup coming into Amazon's Q3. Jason, anything you want to throw in there before we get into the results? Uh, no, I think you covered it pretty well. Uh, like just a couple things at Etsy. It's pretty interesting. The masks clearly were like a honeypot that was driving incremental traffic. And then it seems like there's some evidence that they're able to sell other stuff to those people, which is awesome. Uh, the traditional craft stores also are way up like Michael's and Hobby Lobby. So it, it does make sense that people are, are using their quarantine time to get into hobbies more. And I, I want to say I saw a data point that Etsy has also added a ton of new sellers as a result of COVID. So they they really feel like one of the across-the-board beneficiaries. And then I'm just going to admit the Shopify number impresses and surprises me. I would not have expected them to stay up that high this quarter. Yeah, and um, you know they don't report same-store sales, so there's obviously there's some churn and some ads in there and things of that nature. But but even then, you know, it's not like they're adding someone that's this this huge multi billion dollar um, retailer. They're 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 and you know so so I, I think it's pretty it's probably actually pretty close to same store sales. I would imagine um, if I kind of think through the dynamics there, uh, I would love for them to release some kind of a same store sales number, but but they don't. Um, okay, so so then Amazon uh, resulted after the bell closed as we're recording this uh, here on Thursday the 29th. and uh, you know a lot of a lot of earnings on Wall Street is around expectations. So let me start with the expectations. Wall Street was expecting, and I'm going to use round numbers because it gets kind of, I know it's hard to listen to this when we go into multiple decimal points. Um, So Wall Street had pretty high expectations. They were expecting a $93 billion result, um, which I believe equates to kind of a 35% growth rate. Uh, So $93 billion was what they expected. Uh, Amazon came in at north of uh, slightly north of $96 billion. So they beat the top line by 3 billion, um, not too shabby. Um, And so, so that equates to a growth rate uh, on the revenue side, uh, all in at Amazon of 37%. And um, the apples to apples comparison is that that number was 40% in Q2. So a slight tick down. So, you know, in Q2, they were at 40% and now they've ticked down to 37%. Um, because I haven't done a total analysis of this, but but it's Amazon uh, at least was highly correlated in Q2 to the U.S. Department of Commerce numbers that came out. So so I think we can expect those to tick down um, similarly into the high 30s. Um, but but I, I know we're that's going to be really interesting to see that. Um then as you dig into those revenues, they, they give you a couple of, of different slices of that. One of them is um, by, uh, what do they call it, segment. Uh, so the North America segment was up 39% um, at $59.3 billion. 
Um, and uh, then international was up 33% on a constant currency basis to 25 billion. So, you know, part of this that's really interesting to me was uh, the international stuff had slowed down uh, considerably more than the U.S., which was, I thought was kind of an interesting uh, factoid there. And then let's see, did I cover everything? Um, then another thing is if you peel out physical stores, which I want to kick over to you in a second, um, Amazon all in grew 40% year over year um, com- compared to Q2's 44%. So another indication that, you know, they, that they ticked down a little bit. Um, they also had a very high percentage of orders that were third party. Um, that was up 55%. And then the first party grew 38%. So um, you, know, you always read these stories, and there's actually some antitrust stuff floating around. Um, you know, if, if Amazon is harvesting 3P for 1P, they're doing a terrible job at it because 3P is growing considerably faster than, than 1P. Um, Jason, you had some interesting insights on the physical store numbers. What did you see there? Yeah, so for the second quarter in a row, their physical stores are down, which for them, physical stores is most, uh, from a financial standpoint, is mostly Whole Foods. They do have a small complement of bookstores and go, go stores. But um, uh, so for the quarter, physical stores was down 10%. And superficially, you go, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, people are going to the store less in COVID and buying more online. So not surprising that Amazon's e-commerce is growing and physical stores are shrinking. But if you if you think about the fact that Amazon's physical stores are mostly grocery stores, no other grocery stores in America are shrinking. Like grocery stores were one of the biggest retail beneficiaries of COVID. And so you look at like a Walmart and they're, uh, they're up 15%. So uh, when you compare that and say, oh my God, Amazon's grocery stores are down 10% while Walmarts are up 15%, that's huge. But then you have, to, as you unpack that, you have to realize that the way that Amazon attributes its sales is different than almost any other retailer, right? So if a, if a customer used to go into the Walmart store and buy groceries, and now they're buying grocery stores online, which is like 25% of, most, of all grocery customers pivoted to online, um, that's still a grocery sale to Walmart. Um, however, at Amazon... The the uh, all sales that happen online get attributed to Amazon versus Whole Foods. So when that customer moved from shopping themselves to to ordering online, they they suddenly became an Amazon customer, which is why the the physical number goes down so abruptly for them. Yeah, very cool. So so it's frustrating because this this apples and oranges on on how we measure e commerce at these edges of Bopus and curbside is, is kind of. I wish we had an industry standard or, or people would give us the segment so we could know a little bit better what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, interesting trends that are obfuscated in how they all collect and report this data differently, unfortunately. Um, well, cool. So as, as we both know, Jason, Amazon doesn't ever make profits. So uh, what, what kind of money losing proposition was this quarter for? Yeah, well, they continue their losing streak. Um, Wall Street had expected them to only uh, earn $4.8 billion, um, which, you know, you could call that a loss, I guess. And instead, they actually earned $6.1 billion. (laughs) Um, So I would like to be that big a loser. Uh, But that uh, represented uh, like so on the net income, that's almost a 200 percent increase. That's $6.3 billion of net income. 
um, which if you're an investor, uh, that earning per share comes in at like uh, $12.37, $12. Um, which is near double the consensus, which was seven forty one. So um, I think they call that a beat. Yep. Yeah, that that is a beat on the top and the bottom. It's a smash. Um, let's see, I mentioned uh, another oh, little... side note, uh, before you move on, I heard a new <laughs> phrase. You may already know this one, uh, but uh, I, I'm now hearing uh, analysts call stocks check marks. Hmm. And you know I what that is? That's the the stock has recovered from the COVID dip, and now it's back up above its previous level. Oh, nice! Kind of a V. Another way to say, say yeah. That's why recovery. I thought you would enjoy it so much because you're such a big fan of the Steve V. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to work that into my uh, vocabulary here. <laughs> um, the another tidbit on third party marketplace, which is my wheelhouse. Um, uh, from a unit perspective. Um, ticked up nicely to 53% of unit volume from third party. And in Q2, that was 52%. So um, a good little, oh, no, we're at 54 this quarter, and that's a tick up from last quarter at 53. How about uh, their other money-losing uh, areas like AWS and ads? Yeah. Uh, one, oh, so one other thing, by the way, you already talked about their international sales. One interesting tidbit to me about international sales, traditionally the story is, they're investing internationally and North America is more mature and North America, I want to say is like 61% of their revenue. Um, so they make money in North America. They traditionally lose a lot more money internationally where they're earlier and making bigger investments. Um, but they actually were pretty profitable in international this, this quarter, which was interesting. Um, but so AWS, which is, you know, rumored to be the only profitable part of Amazon for people that are wrong. Um, was up 29%, which is a uh, which is very meaningful growth in almost any context. It is a deceleration of growth for them, and it's the second straight quarter of that. Um, but when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. You know, a ton of, of uh, companies got conservative and implemented a bunch of austerity measures. And so, uh, you know, a lot of potential AWS clients probably slowed down some of their plans to move to the cloud um, or invest bigger in the cloud. Um, but I would still argue that that the long-term prospect for the cloud was actually improved by COVID. Like in the big picture, it's going to accelerate everyone's uh, migration to digital and migration to the cloud. So I, I suspect uh, that we'll ultimately see AWS get a, a nice benefit from COVID, although, it, it, you know, the law of big numbers, it's it seems like its growth is slowing down a little bit. And then the the really interesting one to me is other, which as we've talked about before on the show, is almost uh, exclusively ad revenue um, was up significantly. It was up forty nine percent. So it was uh, the other has been on a tear for a while. Last quarter was forty one percent. Before that, it was forty four, forty one, forty five, thirty seven. Like it's had these these very big bump ups. Um, I was too foolish to put it in the notes, but I, from memory, um, they're just shy of $6 billion in, in ad revenue for the quarter. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you did some like simple math and annualize that they're, they're probably over a tw- uh, $20 billion advertising run rate. It makes them the clear third biggest ad network in the, the U S and thing to remember 
ad revenue is wildly more profitable than GMV, right? Like, you know, you, you're hoping the net, I don't know, 10%, 15% um, on your on your GMV sales, but your uh you're you're netting like 95% on the ad revenue because there's, you know, just a small amount of fixed cost against this uh this big amount of revenue. So so that's amazing. That's hugely profitable. It's contributing a ton to the bottom line. Um what uh it's somewhat surprising because in general, advertisers cut back on advertising in COVID, right? Like the first thing they did is they turned off a lot of their advertising. But what this is clearly showing me is that advertisers cut back on their top of funnel ads, like ads that ran on television and ads that ran on Facebook and Google. It was even complicated because there was kind of a advertising boycott on Facebook, you know, at the beginning of all this. Um, But they clearly, advertisers kept spending on Amazon. Um, Amazon is becoming more of a real destination for ad dollars. So um, that that's impressive. And uh, then, of course, because COVID forced more people to shop online, traffic goes way up on the Amazon properties and and ad revenue, digital ad revenue is kind of tied directly to the number of eyeballs you get on your site. So so that uh, helped them a lot. But this is now a, a very material part of their business. And, uh, you know, uh, you see every retailer in America is trying to on a much smaller scale, get in on this act. Like it's a, it's a huge initiative at every big retailer, their site monetization and trying to sell ads to compete with this, this new profitability enhancer that Amazon has created. Hmm. Very interesting. And uh, we, you know, I should just point out, we've, we've been facetious about the money losing stuff and um, for a while. um, So if you think about the four segments and and there's more, but we'll talk about the four. So you've got um, North America, retail, international retail, AWS slash cloud computing, um, and then other, which is largely ads. Um, AWS and ads have been cash flow positive for a long time. The U.S. business has been cash flow positive. Um, and then international has actually flipped cash flow positive for the last two quarters. So every segment at Amazon is cash flow positive and generating towards income. Now, it is true. AWS, I think, contributes around half of the overall profit of Amazon. But again, you know, a lot of people say none of Amazon's profit except AWS. All those things are false and wrong statements that, you know, that's just simply not true. It, it does kind of outpunch its size, but it's just because it's it's got such a high margin profile versus the retail segments. The, uh, the other fun thing is Shipageddon, which we initiated here on the show and has gotten a little bit of a life of its own. It's been highlighted on in the New York Times, Bloomberg, and on the Today Show. Um uh, what's been really interesting is uh, uh, Jim Cramer uh, on Mad Money. He was kind of holding the UPS CEO's feet to the fire on this. He didn't call it Shipageddon, but everyone's kind of woken up to this thing that you and I think, I think we'll pat ourselves on the back. Uh, and I think we unanimously would vote that we were the first to identify this problem that you have already elevated e-commerce levels. Shipping isn't growing nearly as fast and we have holiday kind of barreling at us. Um, so, uh, they addressed this, uh, you know, one of the first questions wall street asked was, you know, are you guys ready for this, this bump in shipping volume? And the, the CFO said, uh, he didn't use ship again, sadly, but he said, we know that third-party shipping is going to be very tight this quarter. Uh, we feel good that we have made our own investments. So there's a little bit of a, a subtweet, I guess I would call it a little shade that he threw to the, uh, to the third parties. And, and, you know, Amazon looks like a genius here. 
Wall Street was not a huge fan of them going into this DSP program uh, when they announced it and that they were going to build out their whole own direct consumer fulfillment. It seemed kind of a little crazy at the time, but this was, this was a genius. Um, you know, the pandemic has made that just an obvious smart choice to have done. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, uh, he, he did still put in a plug, which every retailer is that like, Hey, even though we feel good about all the, our own capacity to deliver, still probably a good idea to order early if you're a consumer. <laughs> um, so, uh, for sure for your, your Christmas presents, I, I would recommend you, you not wait till the last minute. Um, it, it is always an interesting line item. The, the biggest expense that always shows up on Amazon, uh, or fastest growing expense on Amazon's, uh, income statement every quarter is their shipping costs. And, and they did go up by 57% again for the quarter. Um, so that's a expensive part of doing business. Um, and this isn't toy tied directly to their earnings, but just to highlight, you know, they invested $30 billion in CapEx last quarter. That was mostly fulfillment centers. And they basically, for the year, from at the end of 2019, they were at 183 million square feet of fulfillment center space. And they're expecting to have 294 million square feet of fulfillment space by the end of this year. So that's they they already had a, a an insurmountable lead in fulfillment space, and they've increased it by 60 percent, which is crazy. So the uh, yeah, if if getting product near consumers is is going to be a big win, then it. It's it already was game over and now it's just like there's no hope of anyone catching up to this. Yeah. Um hopefully maybe Shopify will we'll see. <laughs> They're gonna have to start building a lot of fulfillment centers. Yeah. Um and yeah, and there's a lot of complications there. But uh so then there's my favorite part of the the whole um earnings statement, which is their Q4 guidance. Um and the reason it's my favorite part is I feel like it's the the widest guidance I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uncertain times in the cone of uncertainty. Yeah, well, so times, most retailers so, yeah. have solved by just not offering guidance. Yeah, I think I think Home Depot, one of them, it was was you know several. Uh, I think Microsoft, several stocks were down, uh, not only due to rising COVID cases, but for lack of giving guidance. Um, they're they're starting to get punished. So so the you know the the corollary to that is all right. We'll give you guidance, but we're going to give you this you know, this very wide bookends. Yeah, so they they're uh, projecting between twenty eight and thirty eight percent growth for Q four, which is kind of in line with all those e commerce uh, estimates that we've seen. Um, and for them, that would equate to one billion to four point five billion in income, um, which uh, la- uh, last quarter was three point nine billion. So they're saying we could be you know down two billion from last year, or we could be up a half billion from last year. Um, a, a couple of things to note, like ordinarily Q4 is more promotional. So income actually goes down. Um, and then this year, remember Prime Day is in Q4, right? Like the these Q3 numbers we've been talking about ended September 30th and Prime Day was in early October. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that impacts their Q4. And then, you know, one thing that got a lot of um, analyst attention is they they estimated that they have they'll have four billion dollars in incremental covid costs uh just for q4 um and at first people thought that was hard costs and they're like well wait what are you spending four billion dollars on and then what it turned out is the bulk of that is an estimate of lost productivity as a result of covid so they have to social distance people in the fulfillment centers which means they pick a little bit slower and so there's 
there's more inefficiencies. They've had to hire a bunch more people and those people are slower to ramp up. So there's a bunch of inefficiencies there. So, so that's part of why the, the, um, the, despite the significant growth, the income is still down is because they're, they're expecting they're going to have to spend a lot more on COVID. Yeah. And then the last thing I would highlight in this, uh, this hot take is I always like to pick through the press release and see what they're talking about. Um, you know, it's been funny watching Amazon for 20 years because the, the press releases are just getting really long because the bullets of everything they've done in the quarter, there's just like so many more bullets of stuff they're doing. So it's always like, you know, we introduced 800 Echo devices and we did this and that. And it's, it's just, it's amazing how much this $1.7 trillion company is is banging out on a quarterly basis. Um, but a couple tidbits I thought listeners may be interested in. Um, and you you were very early on kind of catching on that Amazon may have some aspirations around healthcare. Um, they did call out that they are, I think they said by mid-November, they will be testing, uh, doing 50,000 COVID tests a day across 650 sites. Um, so that's kind of interesting. You know, there, there's, there's almost like a little clinic inside of uh, the Amazon fulfillment centers, I imagine, is what they're talking about to to make sure that they're they're catching all this stuff early. Um, and then another area I always keep a close eye on is this, this fulfillment program that they call the delivery service providers or DSPs. Um, in there, they talked about, they now have 1700 DSPs and, and the DSPs are the small businesses that they 1099 with that um, they have multi, many, many trucks per uh, partner. Um, so they have 1700 partners. Um, and then within that, that ecosystem, they've created over a hundred thousand jobs, uh, delivered 2.2 billion packages and paid, uh, $5 billion um, to small businesses, which they, by that, they mean those 1700 DSPs have earned that much. Um, the way it works is they get paid a little bit per package, just like a FedEx repos would. Um, so I thought that was interesting call out. I hadn't seen that, that specific before. Um, and then, you know, to your point, uh, Wall Street was just blown away by how much fulfillment capacity has been added and, and, you know, um, I think over a million jobs have been added into the the fulfillment network, which is which is pretty crazy. So, so that's the details. Jason, let's pop back up to thirty thousand square feet. Now that we kind of know the how the eight hundred pound gorilla did in Q three, does that change your overall view of what the holiday is going to look like? Do you think do you, do you buy into that thirty that thirty five percent kind of zone? I I still do, and and here's why. Um, if you think of like so if you think of all of retail um e-commerce is a is a smaller sliver it's like 15% of the the 5 trillion dollars in consumer spending uh traditionally q4 disproportionately skews e-commerce right so you you would you would normally expect a much richer mix for e-commerce in q4 because there's a lot of people that don't use e-commerce for their day-to-day purchases, but they do use them for their their incremental holiday spending. Um, and so the Q3 was super interesting to me because obviously Q2, everyone panicked and had to, to do e-commerce. So we saw that huge spike from the traditional 15% growth to 45% growth. Q3 was going to be really interesting because you might have expected that to settle down more, right? And now, like, it's still early in the Q3 earnings season, but our, our first indications are that they maintain that that level of growth uh i i i that doesn't make me scared that the the hol- like for sure for holiday we're going to have a peak on a peak or what we call a super peak but um i still would expect it to settle down a little bit because there already is more e-commerce 
you know, cooked into the last year's number for, for holiday quarter versus Q3. So to me, that that 33 to 38% still seems viable. Um, you know, er, every CEO talks about how much uncertainty there is. Every forecaster talks about how there's a much bigger deviation. Um, and of course, uh, a bunch of people are interested to know if there's going to be any stimulus. Like there is a theory that after the election next week, uh, whoever wins, like you, uh, that, you know, you could imagine Congress having more impetus to, get some stimulus out there, which could be a game changer. Um, and then, you know, at, at the moment, there's a lot of people that feel like uh, COVID is going in the wrong direction and that that could have a derogatory effect. So so a lot of uncertainty. But but to me, uh, I guess if I if I had to, to wager my own money, I, I still feel like that high 30s is a is a reasonable place for e-commerce next next quarter. What do you think? I do. I, I kind of, you know, it feels like we're settling in there. I do, you know, I think, I think we still have a pretty big ship again problem at 35%. And I think there's, because of this cone of uncertainty, you know, let's say we come up, we bump up to 40% or, or kind of the high end of that range. And, and we're kind of up in the 38 to 40%. I think it's going to make it worse. And, um, you know, one of the things I'll tease is I've been working on a model. And one of my concerns is, we get into the cyber five and that creates enough of a glut in the system that it doesn't ever really recover. Um, so, so because I think it's going to be hyper compressed this year around there because everyone's motivated to get you to shop early. So, so we could have this kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, what we would say here in the Southeast is the, the snake could be eating a pretty big pig that it's not able to digest. Uh, and you know, that, that could cause that, that could, uh, really accelerate this ship again problem. So that's what I'm going to be keeping a pretty close eye on. Yeah, no, I think that's a legitimate concern. Um, I had foolishly been expecting the cyber five to be somewhat diminished this year because, because of, exactly because of the problem you mentioned, a lot of retailers would have a vested interest to, to flatten it out. But like, frankly, all the forecasters disagree with me and they think it's going to be a monster cyber five. And that you're, you're exactly right. That's going to, uh, really gum up the works. Um, we, of course, you know, talked a lot about the big shippers all have a quota, so they they simply aren't going to be able to put more packages into FedEx than they've already agreed to. Um, w- what's now happened is FedEx and UPS have stopped opening new accounts. So if you're a small shipper, you know that, or a small small retailer that was t- going to suddenly try to adopt some e-commerce, that's not an option to you. So that's going to be a a hiccup. If there's a saving grace for retail, it's going to be uh, that a lot of retailers are going to lean heavily on curbside pickup and store fulfillment of their e-commerce orders. So, you know, people like Target and and Best Buy are already very good at that. Walmart's moving in that direction in a big way. So, I you know, I think if if that Cyber Five is big, um, that people are going to compensate by really focusing on promoting items that they can fulfill from stores. Uh, and then, you know, as you get closer to, to holiday, like it, it, it is possible that this could be like a disproportionately large year for gift cards because, you know, you, you could, you could find that people just aren't able to get the, the, the gifts they want and aren't able to get them where they want them in time. And so we, we shift to these uh, kind of digital currencies and then I guess the one other thing I'll throw out there, that's another problem besides ship again, is, 
inventory is thin. Um, you know, a lot of supply chains were disrupted. A lot of retailers were super conservative. Um, and so, like, I think it's also true that we're just going to run out of popular stuff late in the season. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, a couple other little tidbits here at the end for those of you that made it this far. Uh, the uh, Someone uh, was telling you and I on Twitter that they're not taking new accounts at, uh, I think they mentioned both FedEx and UPS. So that's, I think that's unprecedented. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing, you know, either of those, those companies kind of say, Hey, we're going to pause new accounts, you know, starting late October. That's kind of crazy, crazy town. Um, and then it looks like it's really getting backed up. I'm not an expert on this, but uh, someone was emailing me these rates for cargo containers um, that come on the ships and they've seen these spot prices just like escalate in week on week, like 40, 50, 60% in, in the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, that's an indication. I think it's an auction type system. Um, it's an indication that that room on those the ships just coming here is, is very tight and the economics are very tight on that part of the supply chain. So so it feels like things are, are going to be backing up here. Uh, the e-commerce and, and retail plumbing is going to be really interesting to watch in Q4 and as usual, Jason and I will be here reporting on it and letting you know what we what we what we see. Think of us as your e-commerce plumber friends. Yeah, uh, except that our pants go all the way up. Absolutely, yeah. None of that stuff uh, here on the Jason and Scott show. No, uh, but Scott, that's going to be a good place to wrap it up because we've used up all the time we allotted for this quick hit show. It's the second one this week, so we don't want to uh, over overload our listeners. Uh, as always, if you want to continue the dialogue, um, please hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, especially if you disagree. We love to hear uh, other perspectives. Uh, if this show is at all helpful for you, we sure would appreciate it if you'd jump on iTunes and give us that five-star review. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 